Welcome to the newest installment of the Fox Sports Florida Miami Heat podcast. I'm your host, Surya Fernandez, and with me is uh, Ethan Skolnick of Bleacher Report. He's been covering South Florida sports for several years. He was uh, covering the Miami Heat during the Big Three era, and uh, now um, your responsibilities are a little bit different uh, this season, right, Ethan? Yeah, uh, a little bit different. I, I was uh, hired by, by Turner to, co- for, to cover uh, LeBron and the Heat, uh, and that's what I'm still doing. So uh, it's just that uh, they 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 get they get their mail in two different places now. So I will be back and forth quite a bit. I've got two different sets of wardrobes, um, and I'll probably be around the Heat about half the month, and around uh, other NBA teams, including the Cavs, about half the month. Okay, and you're in the unique position where uh, you're still covering the Heat, but also you have kind of an insider's. Uh glance at, at how the Cavs are, are coming together as a team. How, how have they looked so far? I mean, their record has been so-so, of course, but, uh, I mean, they're a talented team. They're going to get it together, and they're going to rack up wins in the East, right? I would think eventually it's going to come together, but I think what we've seen is that, you know, first, LeBron warned everybody because he'd been through it in 2010 that it doesn't come together as quickly as you might like um, or as, as people are expecting. And, and I think that although people thought that the skill sets on offense were complementary and they were bringing in an offensive coach, I think what we've seen so far is even when you have that, um, it takes some time to get used to each other. And some other issues have come up. I mean, look, defensively, we knew this team wasn't going to be very good at the start. Um, they don't have a whole lot of guys who have great defensive instincts or have been asked to play a lot of defense traditionally right. over the course of their careers. And that's been a struggle uh, for them. And, and also, the, you know, the bench is a little thin. And, um, you know, with Delavidova getting hurt, they've got a guy in Sean Marion basically starting at the two, uh, or he or LeBron. And, uh, you know, I don't know if Sean at this stage of his career can really play heavy minutes. So they've got some things to work through. Uh, the good news for them, you know, and for the Heat to a certain degree, is in the East you have time to figure things out. In the West, you go through what OKC is going through right now, and you may get buried. Exactly, exactly, and 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 you you're, you're speaking about the Heat as well. They're coming together as a team as well. Uh, they they have of course Wade and Bosch. They've been solid to start the season. Um, where did you think that they would wind up at, at the end of the season, uh, as far as playoff seating goes? And now that you've seen them in a handful of games, do do you think they're a little bit better than what experts thought they would be, or about the same? Well, I thought if Dwayne could play 70-plus games, that I had them winning between about 45 and 47. Um, the reason I put that number there is if you look at what they won during Eric Spolcher's first two years, uh, when you know he had an absolutely elite top-of-the-game Dwayne Wade, um, but he really didn't have a lot of secondary options. Uh, Michael Beasley was basically their second-best scorer during those years, and that wasn't somebody they could rely on consistently. And so... And Eric still took two teams to the playoffs. So I, I, I thought that this would be a playoff team. Um, I will say that so far, and I also thought Chris Bosch would have a terrific season. So that, that has played out pretty much as I expected. I think what surprised me a little bit is I thought this team would be further ahead defensively than offensively early in the year. Because unlike Cleveland, they do have a lot of guys who've traditionally been good defenders. Um, you know, they replaced LeBron with a good defender in the wall dang. I mean, McRoberts hasn't been healthy to play the kind of minutes that they anticipated, and that will come, but he has been a good defender. Chris Bosch has become a very good defender. Um, their point guards, when they're committed, can be good defenders, and Dwayne, when he's committed, can be a good defender. So I thought they'd be better defensively to start 
start the year, and they've actually been, with the exception of the Indiana game, better offensively. And, and I, what I've been really impressed with is that Eric Spolster has gotten them to buy in very early in the season to the way they need to play on the offensive end, in terms of ball movement, sharing the ball, understanding that for the first 43 minutes of the game, approximately, everybody's going to touch it, get their opportunities. And then in the last five, it's, they're going to play through Dwayne and Chris, and that Luol is going to be basically playing off the ball, cutting the basket, creating space that way, and then they'll be out there with two other shooters. Uh, and, and so far, that's been that's been very effective. So I think Eric's done a really good job so far. Uh, and I think the upside for this team, again, depending on Dwayne's health, could be a little higher than I anticipated. That maybe they can they push somewhere into say the 48 to 51 range, uh, which would be a very successful season for them under the circumstances. Right, right, and and that's all predicated on on Bosch and especially Wade uh, staying healthy. And uh, we're seeing that Wade is going to sit out his first game of the season Friday night against the Hawks. And and Wade is averaging almost 20 points. Uh, a team lead leading 6.4 assists, three and a half rebounds a game, and, and you have Bosch averaging more than 20 points a game and and uh, more than nine rebounds. Those are his best numbers since coming to Miami in 2010. Can they keep up their productive starts to the season? Yeah, I think so. I, I think in Chris's case, it's just a matter of opportunity. He's got opportunities now that he didn't have the last four years. He's talked about it. I mean, I, you know, we, he and I talked before the season a little bit. These, these comments kind of got taken out of context. Uh, but, you know, he had talked about, you know, the difficult, that it's easier in his view to go from a number three or number two option to a number one option than it is to go the other direction. Like he's had to do the last four years, like for instance, Kevin Love has to do in Cleveland now. Um, so he felt like the opportunities would come and that he, he would be able to capitalize them. On them, uh, he's a better player than he was in Toronto. Everybody talks about Toronto Bosch. He's a much more complete player. In talking to Sam Mitchell about that, who was his coach in Toronto, Sam, you know, was very specific about the fact that you know he's improved his range. Sam also disputed this idea that in Toronto, you know, Chris was basically putting his back to the basket all the time. He said, "I used him at the elbow for the most part, allowed him to use his agility to get to the basket." And and Eric has done that, but but again, Chris has also expanded so much of his own game uh, that he's a, a, you know, a, a very versatile threat for them. And so I, I expect you know, he'll have some lulls in the season, uh, but I expect his overall numbers, I said before the year, I thought he'd be at 21-9 and nine for the year, and that's about where he is right now. Uh, as far as Dwayne goes, it's all predicated on health. I, I think one of the things that's frustrating about the criticism of Dwayne is this idea that he, he has to evolve as he becomes an older player. He has evolved. He's, right. he's totally changed his game from what it was a few years ago, and he's evolved again now where he's not only a cutter off the basket, off the ball, which is something he wasn't four years ago before LeBron arrived, but he is he's a better decision maker. Uh, he's not playing as much hero ball as he did previously, um, and he's working in the post even more than he has before. So uh, those two guys are not a concern. I don't think Luol Deng is a concern because his game is sort of low maintenance. He right. doesn't he doesn't need a ton of touches. Uh, their concerns are in other spots, overall size, overall shooting. Uh, that's where they may have some deficiencies as the season goes on. And, and leading to that, what, what do you make of the Heat's youth movement? It's been a while since since Eric Spolstra has given you know regular minutes to a rookie. Maybe since Norris Cole in 2011, and you mentioned Michael Beasley maybe back in 2008. Uh, James Ennis, Shabazz Napier, they, they had their moments, you know, in, 
in the regular season, they had breakout performances during the preseason. Can they kind of replicate that, or is it just going to take time for them to get used to that NBA grind? It's going to take time. I think it's going to take Ennis more time than Napier. Um, I just the thing about it is Napier. I know Ennis, you know, in Australia, obviously is a go-to guy, but Napier has played so much sort of high-pressure, high-level ball, um, being at, at UConn and, and taking that team where he took that team, even being part of that first national championship. team where he didn't play a whole lot, but he's still part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've been really, you know, Ennis, look, I think we watch Ennis in summer league, we're like, okay, kid's going to make the roster, has a really bright future. Naker had to grow on me a little bit because he struggled so much in summer league, and I, I felt almost every preseason game he got better. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think you take a look at these guys, they needed to inject some youth. The shame for them is that the youth didn't come while LeBron was still around because mm-hmm. I think that might have been attractive to him. Uh, you know, if they've been able to incorporate a couple of young players along with a lot of the vets who got so, you know, sort of broke down over time, uh, you know, while playing with this group. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think it's very positive. And I think, you know, even, you know, Justin Hamilton may have a little higher upside right. than was initially anticipated. And, and although Sean Williams is not a, a young player per se, he's bounced around a lot, he, he kind of reflects something that this organization has gotten away from in the past few years or hasn't done effectively, which was that this is an organization that if you looked at Riley's first sort of 10 years, you know, there was Ike Austin, Anthony Carter, Mike James, Malik Allen, Bruce Bowen, all these players who were kind of out, you know, cast off in other places that that turned into functional rotation players. And then, you know, ending up with Haslam in in 2003, Um, since Udonis, they pretty much have Joel Anthony, and that's been about it, um, that they've been able to really sort of turn a career into something more than you anticipated it would be when the player came out of college or when he was discarded by another team. So I, I think if you take a look at, uh, at Sean Williams, that's very promising for them. They were able to find a guy who looks like he can be a rotation fit for them potentially this season and has given them some, you know, filled hole for them as far as a shooter. Uh, you know, you know, after he's bounced around so much, so I think that's been a real positive so far, also. Right, and and I'm also thinking uh, Shannon Brown as well. He he kind of yeah. has that chance too. Maybe in a game where where Wade is sitting now, uh, do you give him minutes or do you give maybe somebody young like like Andre Dawkins a look? Well, I, I think my thought is that 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 Brown will get some minutes because otherwise I don't really see the value in having him around. You yeah. know, I think if you look at Andre Dawkins. Uh, you know, that, look, they had a player in Anthony Morrow uh, a few years back who they had in their summer league, and they kind of regretted letting go. Um, and, and they view Andre Dawkins as another potential Anthony Morrow. Like, it's just very hard to find that kind of pure shooter uh, who's so comfortable from range. And so I, 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 it made sense to me why they would keep Dawkins. Um, to me, the value of Shannon Brown is in the games that Blaine misses. He, he's not going to get a lot of time in the other games. And so I, I think he's got to play some in those games. And again, we haven't really seen Granger, you know, and I know there is a chance of him getting into the flow here now. Um, and I'd be curious to see what he can provide them because he's, he, that's kind of been an afterthought at this point. And, and that may squeeze Ennis a little bit early. But, but I do think that over the course of the season, Eric needs to find the time for Ennis. He's got to play through some mistakes. Um, I, I, you can't get caught up. I think one of the dangers for the Heat this year is I know how badly they want to prove to the world that they're not the Cavaliers of 2010, 2000, 
14, that they're not going to swirl the drain just because LeBron left. And I get it, and they did a very good job of of recovering, but you don't want to let that get in the way of progress. And so even if it costs them two or three games, Napier and Ennis need to play. Um, They need to play through their mistakes. Uh, And I say they may may each cost a couple games, who knows. But I think it's more important for me for them to win 44 with those two guys getting time and to win 48 by playing a lot of, say, you know, Shannon Brown or Danny Granger. I I just think that uh, this organization needs to get younger for a long time and they have an opportunity to do it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that there's going to be those nights where, a, a more talented team like maybe the, the Houston Rockets are just going to beat them flat out. They just they torched yep. them in the, in the fourth quarter. And and but overall, how tough do you see that the the Heat schedule this season? I think they're like you traveling a, a lot of miles. I think they're the team that is going to be traveling the most miles of, of all the teams. Yeah. And their and their schedule is front loaded with with several back to back sets. Uh, will that affect them down the road? Um, and and yeah, how how difficult is that schedule? Well, it is no question, and they usually get stuck with a lot of travel just because of where they are, and mm-hmm. and that you know that that's something that even LeBron talked about when he first came to Miami that he wasn't you know in Cleveland you're pretty much you know you're within three hours of just about everything um, you know Miami is a little bit of a different deal so I you know I, I that that is more of a challenge for them no question I think one of the things again that helps them is that this is a deeper roster than they've had it's not a better roster. Uh, because they don't have the guy at the top, (laughs) but they have more guys that they can use. And and so Eric's going to have to be, you know, judicious about it. You know, there'll be some nights that Granger plays and maybe the next night Ennis gets more of that time. Um, You know, Nick Robertson Williams, another example. I think that they can, they can spot those guys. Chris Anderson doesn't, shouldn't need to play the kind of minutes that he's played. If they, if he utilizes Haslam, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, and I've kind of made the push for Irk to get consistent rotation. Uh, and he did that during the 27-game winning streak, if you remember. He basically, for all the talk about Mike Miller, Mike Miller didn't play very much during yeah. the 27-game winning streak. He basically played in, I think, two games that Dwayne didn't. Uh, other than that, he didn't play at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got to a nine-man rotation where you knew every game, Cole, Allen, Anderson, Battier were coming off the bench. Um, and, and I, I thought that made a lot of sense for that team. That may not make sense for this team. For this team, they may need to rotate more bodies and really have sort of 11 guys in his mind, and maybe he just plays nine on a particular night. Right, right. Well, I, I thank you again so much for, for your insight. Um, and uh, how, can, uh, how can people find you on Twitter? Uh, Ethan J. And uh, you can find out where I am. And if it's people in Miami, uh, and I'm not in a place that they want me to be, they they are welcome to mute me on that night. So. <laughs> right, right. No, I've, hey, it's it's part of part of your job description, and you're doing a great job. And uh, and of course, we, uh, we can find your work on on BleachReport.com as well, right? Yep, yep, yep. All right. Well, thank you so much again, and uh, I'll talk to you later. Thanks a lot. Good to be with you, sir. All right. Bye bye.